0: hello and welcome to locked on Marlins your daily Marlins podcast with me Peter Pratt don't forget to follow me guys on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK do not forget that underscore and it is the Thursday episode we are pre-game on game three with this Cardinal series and I have one of Marlin's Twitter along for the ride and this could be a spicy agenda Nick Alvarez is joining the show host of fish and whips Nick how are we doing hey I'm good how are you man I'm doing great, I guess, considering uh, the Marlins are a little Ooh. bit of a downturn at the moment. But I'm doing good okay. in general. It's, you know, 5 past five past 9 UK time. Um, okay. The lineup has just been announced. I'm excited about the lineup for sure. I really like the balance this lineup has. We're going to talk about it in a sec. Um, just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. A new one, I know. Blue Nile, this Mother's Day... Give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And locked on sports listeners get 50 bucks off any 500 buck purchase. Use code locked on at checkout. And Nick, yeah, let's start, I guess, looking forwards. The lineup yes. is announced. For me, the major thing that stands out, Jazz Chisholm is in the leadoff spot again. Hallelujah. Finally. <laughs> Finally, Finally.
1: What's been going on with Jazz this year? Ah, uh, I mean. I feel like what they were trying to do was, you know, because Solaire was batting leadoff. If Jazz was in the ninth spot and he got on base, then Solaire would be in the leadoff spot and would have the opportunity to drive him in. Um, But for some reason, um, Solaire's gotten off to a slow start and Jazz has gotten off to a hot start for the most part at the plate. And so it hasn't really worked out the way they've wanted so I think they're trying to switch it up. And now, finally, as everyone has been clamoring for on Marlins mm. Twitter, um, they are putting Jazz back in the leadoff spot.
0: Absolutely. I, I think that's a perfect summary. I, looking back to 2020, this is how Donnie constructed his lineups, where he, he had speed at the bottom in the nine spot, where you had like... I mean, listen, it wasn't Jazz Chisholm then. It was more like Monte Harrison, Mag Sierra... You know, maybe Miggy Rowe at times that meant that as the order flipped, ideally they'd have someone on base. Right. This is Jazz Chisholm we're talking about right now. This has been the hottest guy thus far of the year. And I'm actually quite shocked it's taken this long to get Jazz
1: at least leading off once. This is his first time leading off in 22. It feels a bit weird. It does. I mean, you know, it's 11 games in. You thought maybe, you know, after a series or two, they you're like oh okay well this isn't working let's try to do something else but i feel like you know they've been a little stubborn and sticking to their formula Mm. as they call it or as they probably are calling it behind closed doors and um it really hasn't worked out the way they wanted and so you know they're just going to have to adjust and now try something else
0: it's time it was time to change it for sure and i think you know it's a cardinal's Bullpen game today as well, effectively. I know Jordan Hicks was stretched out to maybe be a starter, but he's been pitching in relief, and I don't expect Hicks to be going more than you know three, four innings. So we're going to... you know, and, and the Cardinals' bullpen has been good in, in high leverage spots. It has to be, because they play a lot of tight games, those Cardinals, for sure. But I think this is the perfect time to kind of bump Jazz up there, give Soler a bit of a breather from that spot. Maybe it will create a spark. Of these kind of free agent acquisitions... Who concerns you most in terms of Soler and Avi Garcia, particularly?
1: I'll say, I mean, Soler, I think we'll figure it out eventually, you know, um, he's had, he's had moments where he has gone on base or he has had some hits and, you know, he's been, he's been okay. Not like, you know, setting the world on fire, but you know, he's been okay. Um, Avisio Garcia is the one that really concerns me right now. Mm. And not because he was like, you know, the big name or the first big name that we signed, but just because, you know, he hasn't really set in to his role. I feel like, mm. um, you know, being that middle of the order bat to drive runs in. And for some reason, like either he is being too uptight or he is not really mentally ready right now at the position, at you know being in like the fourth or fifth spot in the order. Mm. Um, which, I mean, a lot of people even in the off season were saying that you know, Abascal Garcia isn't really the guy who can drive in a ton of runs. I mean, he drove in 86 last year and hit 29 home runs, but you know, usually when you hit that many home runs you're looking more into like that 95 to over hundred RBI range. So I can see where their issues are with that. So I think with him, he might be pushing a little bit too much and you could see how aggressive he is at the plate. Mm. Um, You could see that aggressiveness when he's swinging too early on the off speed pitches and then hitting grounders to shortstop or third base constantly. And he just feels, and it's frustrating as a fan because you, you know, like when he really connects with something like the ball was going to go places, but because he is just so he's trying too hard or he's overdoing it. He is, you know, just hitting those soft little grounders to third base and everyone's like, Oh, look at this big power guy, (laughs) you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's been tough to watch. So I think, If he can just calm down and just kind of stay within his parameters of like what he's good at, then maybe we'll be able to see the Abasio Garcia that the Marlins had in mind as far as their signing went.
0: Nick, I've got to be honest, I think you've really hit onto something here because what, and I hadn't thought about this until you mentioned it, but the only time I think thus far that both Soler and Avisel Garcia have hit home runs, was in that huge blowout loss when the Trevor Rogers start. And in those games, pressure's off. All the other games the fish have been playing in this year have been real tight games where it's on the line, most ABs, basically. And it's interesting that both those dudes hit bombs in those blowout games when there is no pressure. There's no pressure, really, in terms of the scoreboard, anyway. And you might have really hit onto it there that maybe both Soler and Avi are both just trying to press too hard. You know, mm-hmm. they both come in on, you know, Avi obviously on a uh, on big money, I guess, over the lifespan of that contract. Solera, there's, there's options galore in that. We don't know if you'll see that out. We'll wait and see. But, you mm-hmm. know, for Avisel particularly, maybe he's just trying too hard. And I think it's possible, like, that's maybe where he's seen the best results was when the pressure wasn't there. Um, so you just need to take a breath. Maybe, like you said, I think that's that could be the the, the crucial yeah. bit.
1: I think it's also because, you know, they signed these big contracts, so they want to, you know, prove that they're worth the money that the team signed them for, Yeah. you know? But, you know, I honestly do think that, you know, they are probably just pushing a little bit too much. And I think also Mattingly after like the first 10, 11 games is finally started to see that and is now kind of reverting back to, his original order that he had maybe in like 20 like last season where yeah. jazz lead off spot
0: okay then guys reminder this episode is brought to you by blue nile.com and at blue nile.com you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler mark mother's day with something enduring Classic diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, and so much more on Bluenile.com. This Mother's Day, give something Mum will treasure forever with fine jewelry from Bluenile.com. And locked on sports listeners get 50 bucks or 500 buck purchases. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use code LOCKED ON. That's code LOCKED ON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what Avi can do further down in the lineup at, say, what, the sixth spot today, I think it is. So I I don't think that's a bad thing. Like you said, it's just been these these ground-outs to third where he's just he's too early. He's just effectively the timing isn't right, and he's just grounding out a third over and over and over again. It's uh, it, it it's worrying. But listen, I'm I'm all in on Avi. I I liked the signing to be honest with you.
1: What did you think about the sign at the time? Were you happy with it? I mean, I know they had to do something. They had to make a splash. Mm. Well, I originally, ever I think a lot of people wanted Castellanos initially, um, and then I realized that I feel like you know his signing. Like he's an even worse fielder than Garcia is. And we saw that a little bit in the Phillies series, you know, last weekend where he had trouble getting the ball out of the corner. Um, So even though like his bat is just as productive, but um, with Garcia, he, he has a little bit more of like the five tool player that you want. He has above average speed. He has a pretty solid arm. His fielding, you know, is about average to above average. He's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he'll get the routine outs, which is for a right fielder. I mean, you really want someone who can at least get the routine outs. Same with left field. Um, so I think, you know, and then he provides that power bat, um, you know, the 29 home runs. And, you know, I think they saw it, they saw his potential, and especially after the breakout season. And they think, hmm, if we place him in this spot in the lineup and we add another batter to it takes a little bit of pressure off him not to be like, you know, the 120 RBI guy and just be like the 90 to 100 RBI guy, which is pretty doable considering he had 86 RBIs. So I think I think that was their plan, um, especially after signing Solaire. But, you know getting the two outfielders for the price of one kind of thing yeah i think that's what they did
0: they effectively kind of you know instead of the big big splash they've gone actually we need we need two guys and um i I wasn't against it like i think the way the chips fell Mm -hmm. like i I was happy with the avi garcia signing early they kind of went in and went bang let's get a, a guy in that we that we like we trust and you know, also Miggy, clearly big influence um, you know, within the clubhouse, and you know, likely the front officer talking to him. You know, mm-hmm. Miggy would have been pumping up Avi too, so it didn't shock me they went down that pathway for sure. And then Soler, I think, kind of, you know, once the center field market started to shrink, I mean, it heavily shrunk clearly because Marte didn't sign, but also they were obviously looking to get a center fielder in via trade. It didn't happen. They went, you know what? We're going to go with Jesus, and we need another corner outfielder because. Gary Cooper yep. can't be playing the corners, so I was okay with the way things, you know, was set up. To be honest with you, and in those games where we've, you know, we saw over the weekend, we blew the Phillies out multiple times, and the lineup was just was clicking up and down. It was clicking for sure. So the potential is there. I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. I am just a little bit concerned about Avi, but I think just taking the heat off a little bit, get him down in the six spot, just get him, you know, less pressure, less trying to, you know, foot on the gas. I think it'd be right. interesting. So and
1: then if he responds positively then you could slowly move him back up into like a fourth or fifth spot and see what he can do with I'm the sure. comp-
0: The thing is I've never played baseball and I don't know how much it changes in your mind if you're moving up like at the end of the day what spot you are. You shouldn't overly change the, the you know the plate approach and etc but I don't know maybe it
1: does. I don't know. Depend it all depends on the player really psychologically you know if a certain player knows their limitations and knows okay they're good at this stuff but not necessarily good at you know consistently driving runs in when they're put into a spot where you know hey you have to consistently produce you know it might put a little bit more pressure on them Mm -hmm. Now, if they are used to consistently driving runs in and then they're put in that thing they're like oh okay I'm used to this. I can do this. Mm. So it all just depends. I think for Garcia, this is like the first time that a team is really putting a lot of faith in him and a lot of money in him to produce. And so he has to, you know, try to find his way as far as, you know, being that top production guy for the team. And, you know, we've seen, I guess you can call it the growing pains of him trying to overcompensate, when in reality, he can probably just be the same Abisayo Garcia he was last season, and probably produce just about the same numbers, if not better.
0: I'm with you. One final one on the offensive side, I want to ask you about Jesus Aguilar, and it's also been a slow start for Aggie as well. Um, what what is unquestioned in my opinion, though, is his value at first base. And we saw it again, you know, the other day. Cooper was in at first base and there was just this horrible. There's been a couple of stints with Cooper first where, you know, the, the collision with Birdie, there was a throw from Jazz the other day. It was Jazz's throw and error, but listen, you know, Coop's still got a chance and a shot at that ball, doesn't make it, and is actually a big, big play in the game. i i prefer Coop in the main DHN, leave him there, and I want Aggie, and I think his value, he does add value at first base, but the bat hasn't been there this year. Are you concerned about Aguilar this year? And He was on an expiring deal too.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, last year, like he was our big run producer up until Duval was traded, Mm. and then eventually got hurt. So, you know, we're used to seeing Aguilar be that run producer that he was last season. Yeah um so i think you know i think probably what has to do with it a little bit was you know he's still coming off that injury um he also you know he had a shortened spring training and remember a lot of these guys because of the shortened spring training and the lockout they weren't able to see their trainers or their physicians that you know the team provides for them mm, good point so if you know, this guy can, you know, get on the rehab schedule that the team had to set aside for him before the lockout, then he has to pretty much do it himself. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's worked in some ways for him. I mean, you know, he's back on the field, he is doing okay, but as far as the hitting goes and the offense goes, it's a lot of, you know, the warning track power right now. And And also, you know, he's been he's had flashes of like, you know, the same Jesus Aguilar that we saw last year, the line drives to center or, you know, the nice shots in between shortstop and third base in the left field. But in reality, he just I think there needs to be a little bit more time for him to uh, get back into the swing of things as far as his physical side goes.
0: I think that's a some really good points clearly he ended the year hurt was on the il had i had, had surgery i guess as well um to you know, the back end of the year i'm like i said i'd like him at first base i like the defensive uh capabilities oh, yeah. he offers there for sure so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with and we saw what aggie can do last year the one thing that i'm slightly concerned about aggie doesn't seem to be as aggie as last year like he seemed to be always playing and joking massive smile on his face a big you know clubhouse guy from what i've seen in the early going it, it isn't as exuberant as maybe jesus aguilar last year there's definitely some he isn't as you know as aggie is what i said you know is what i said initially like i don't know if you have you seen that too yeah
1: i mean you know i think it all ties back to performance you know, if, you know, like you're feeling good and, you know, you're looking good and and stuff, but you're not performing, it can still affect your mindset. Mm. Now, if he's able to turn it around and, you know, start producing at the rate that, you know, Marlon's fans are used to seeing last season, then I think you'll start to see that attitude change. I think, you know, also, there could be a thing where, you know, because Soler isn't producing and Garcia isn't producing, he may be trying to overcompensate as well. And so, you know, if all of them just kind of relax and just focus on just being themselves and getting back to their basics, then I think, you know, I think the Maroons will be all right, but it, it'll take some time. I think for aguilar to really get back into the swing of things hopefully hopefully by the end of may he'll be back to his old self
0: okay i like that sentiment though just relax for sure <laughs> um all right cool Well, we're going to talk about the closing situation uh just in a second before we do that reminder this episode is brought to you by betonline.net BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting, stats, and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season, of course. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And Nick... Where we started this year was Anthony Bender in the closer, the closing role, Dylan Floro on the IL. Um, mm. The Marlins acquired two relievers uh, pretty much at opening day just to bolster the pen, which I, I liked. I like the moves and have actually been nice additions. But Bender was locked in. We know with Don Mattingly, he loves a ninth inning guy. Bender's the guy. In six appearances, we've got two L's and one blown save and one save. So, you know, on the positive side. Mm-hmm. Um last night, tie game, Arenado, two run bomb, effectively winning the game there from you know against Bender. What have you made of Anthony Bender just in general in terms of being given the opportunity to take the ninth?
1: I mean, I think he's I think he's embraced the opportunity. Um I think Probably I'm not going to judge him based off of the opening day um, because I felt like he had some jitters mm. so, and he kind of grooved that first pitch that he had. And that was the home run. And, you know, that eventually tied the game. And then we eventually lost an in extra innings. Um, so I'm not really going to blame him for that one. Um, but I really think that for him, he just needs to, focus on not letting that one pitch, that one mistake, beat him. Mm. And I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, on Marlon's Twitter and whatever have seen that for like, you know, they say for like 95% of his outings, he does great. He looks great. But then, you know, we'll have that one pitch or that one at bat where, you know, you're scratching your head or he's like, well, what happened there? So I think – I don't know if it's a mental hurdle no, or maybe, you know, maybe he gets like the first out or two and then he kind of like settles, like he, he settles in, but settles in too much and doesn't, you know, go for the jugular. Mm. Um, But I really think that if he can get to the point where, you know, he's just constantly at the, at the same mode, that same mindset, Throughout the entire throughout his entire outing outing, um, then you know I think we'll see a different Anthony Bender. But as far as the closer role goes, I think we definitely missed out on signing somebody, signing nice. somebody, for somebody. And I think you know, I know Floro is out, but even when Floro was the closer, he's not really a closer that much either. Now I mean. Maybe, maybe he comes back and maybe he, you know, proves himself, but we shouldn't be betting on the mites and maybes Mm -hmm. as far as exposure goes. Yeah, we have someone back there with enough experience who more often than not can guarantee us a win and that they don't have somebody in there right now who can do that. It's showing up in our win loss column
0: it absolutely is it was you know for me it was you know one of the key priorities and it, it looking back it shocked me that when i think kim spoke to the media and said hey we're we, we took our eye off the the relief pitching situation we were focused in in other areas and you know the catcher clearly was one you know they were looking outfielders they were looking for center fields they couldn't get a deal done and you know kim in public said we we didn't really focus our time on the relief pitching market the problem is the market then went bang 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 the dominoes were falling and next thing is the marlins were kind of left sat around going ooh okay who's left that was the problem and and i guess the other the other thing too which may have put them off and you know this is maybe unfortunate as well you know some of the top end dudes Corey canable let's say i i like the fit with him and the fish for sure he gets 10 million bucks from yeah. the fills it's big money that's not Marlin's money for a reliever, never ever. So Corey Knebel, no chance. Kelly Jansen, big money, sixteen million or whatever he gets. Um, yeah. Big dough. These guys are going for big dough. You then got a tier below that. Those guys are going for five to six million. So the market was expensive. It really was, and I think maybe that it's played into of, it too.
1: And a lot of teams were, you know, they were overpricing because it was such a need for each team. Yeah. And when you, when you don't have somebody who, you know, can close out games for you, you're going to have to overpay, you know, especially if you don't have somebody or somebody in the wings. Now they thought Fender could be that guy, the somebody in the wings, but, and maybe he can, but again, the mites and maybes for closer position is not a, a you needed to get somebody, and the Marlins didn't, and so they failed in that aspect.
0: They completely did. I, I said it today on uh, on my my Twitter rundown. I mm-hmm. feel sorry for for Anthony Bender in some ways. Not sorry because he would have embraced the opportunity, like you've said. But right, he was put in that like. If the Marlins were all in on Anthony Bender, then last season, in a lost year. You give him that experience, more experience in the ninth, right? Rather than just kind of playing around with Floro. Floro's is an eighth inning guy, and he's a perf. He's a he's an above average eighth inning dude. The exactly. Marlins, if they were in on Bender last season, put him in in the ninth, let him learn. The problem is he hasn't had the experience, the butterflies, the jitters, and everything that comes with it for long enough. Yes, he closed a couple of games, but we can't. F- you know, in general, that's his first year. He was a rookie last year, mm-hmm. and. For the Marlins to then kind of catapult him in into a team which is expected to compete this year, and say to Anthony Bender, "Hey, over to you, good luck," he's going to be bloody nervous. He is, and the front office have put him in that position where they haven't addressed the need. They've hung Anthony Bender out to dry. Listen, like you said, I'm I'm with you on that. That Giants opening day, cement mixer down the middle. It was a terrible pitch, and it was, and it was destroyed rightly so. But mm. he was nervous. We even yeah. saw Sandy take the ball for the Marlins, and he was nervous too. Everyone was nervous. This opening day, you can understand that. Yeah. And yesterday's pitch wasn't terrible. Arenado yeah. just turned.
1: It was a couple of inches inside, and he They're just not, turned on one. You know? And, um, you know, like, as a closer, you're going to give up home runs sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not perfect. No one, no closer has a perfect record.
0: No one does. It's you know? <laughs> <So, laughs> true. It's true.
1: So it's going to happen, but what you don't want to happen is, you know, you have, it's consistent to where you always have that one at-bat or that one pitch where you make a mistake mm. because this is major league baseball. These are professional ball players. They're going to capitalize on mistakes. And we, and we've seen it so far in the Cardinal series, you know, whether it be defense, whether it be base running, pitching, hitting. We've seen it all across the board.
0: Yeah. How good are those Cardinals, by the way? They, they're they one hell of a well-run ball club, in my opinion.
1: You know, like, well, honestly, it's, for me, I am, like, once I've heard about all the gold gloves that, you know, all their, <laughs> I, I was like, hey, that must be like the team. Like, imagine having all those gold Club, Gold gloves in, like, your infield. I think Diong is, like, the only one who doesn't have a gold glove mm-hmm. in infield. Yadi has nine. Arenado has nine. Goldschmidt, I think, has two or three. And Edmund just got one last season. Mm-hmm. In the outfield, you have Bader in center who just won his. And so, like, the whole – almost the whole team is stout in fielding. So – you know that they're rarely going to make a mistake, especially Arenado. Mm. I mean that guy, like he reminds me of Brooks Robinson fielding. You know because I've seen footage of him, and my dad would talk about him as I was a kid growing up. And he also reminds reminds me a little bit of Mike Lowell. Lowell didn't have as much range as Arenado does, but he has the same he has the same overall skill set. And so you know. And also Scott Rowland. Scott like the list of third basemen for the St. Louis Cardinals has been just something something great.
0: Absolutely, the the defense is insane for sure. That is that is true. But they're just a well run team for sure. Um, just to finish up now, just I wanted to just go back on Bender too. Dylan Flora, it sounds like he's he's kind of working his way back up. Let's say he's back with the ball club, the big league club. I don't know, ten days time, something in that kind of time frame. Where do you see this going with Bender? Do you see him maybe, you know, Floro comes in and, and is closing game straight away? Does Bender continue? Where where
1: are they at with this one? I think it's still going to be closer by committee. Mm. Um, I think, you know, with, with uh, Floro coming back, they'll ease him back into the role and, you know, see how he does, see how he performs. And if he's consistent then I think, you know, the majority of the time he'll get the opportunities, but if, you know, there are a little bit of shakeups here and there where he's not as sharp, then, you know, it'll go back to Bender or, um, I think one of the, um, Orioles that we required acquired, I think it's Seltzer has closer experience too. Yeah. So, so I think, um, you know, he might get some opportunities, um, so, yeah, I know Bass won't get any opportunities, that's for sure. Uh. <laughs> I think those
0: opportunities have dried up. I think Bass has found his role. I mean, let's not kind of beat a dead horse on this one. We talked about enough last year with Bass Man, Like, yeah. clearly the ninth wasn't right for him. Um, no. I was kind of shocked, actually, he was given the 10th inning in that, um, you know, obviously, you know, the opening day. Um, yeah. And But, you know, Bass has kind of settled into his kind of 6th, 7th inning. You know, he's fine. But from leverage, clearly, it isn't going to work. I'd pref- much prefer if if things go sideways with with Bender, Salsa, or Scott, um, mix and match those with Floro. I think that makes sense. You know, we, the other guys in there too are doing a nice job. I mean, Oh and Head both had nice starts. I mean, the pen yeah. in general has has
1: probably overperformed in my opinion thus far. I mean, last year, like a lot of their, a lot of their, you know, a lot of people were critical about them because they wouldn't you know perform in the high leverage situations Mm -hmm. but for the most part overall the bullpen was good now it's just you know adding more arms and more people who have experience in those high leverage situations and seeing how they perform now if they can you know get more performance in those high leverage situations then that will result in more wins and so, you know, and that's what the Marlins want. They want to win more. You know, they're tired of being in second to last or last place all the mm, time. For sure. I don't blame them. So I'm with you. We need to, you know, if the bullpen performs, then I think we'll be pretty solid there. Now, then it all comes back to our solid pitching. And then, you know, just getting the timely hitting. We don't need to be world beaters on offense. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be above average.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. One final one before we get out of here, and the question is, are you more optimistic, less optimistic, or exactly the same as you were on this Marlins 2022 season than at the start of the year?
1: (laughs) No. He's smiling.
0: He's smiling. (laughs) I
1: made a bold prediction that the Marlins are going to win 86 games this season. I've said it with my heart. I still believe they'll win 86 games. Am I a little worried after the first 11 games? Eh, kind of, but at the same time, there's still 151 games left. And no. so, they have time to turn it around. Um, so if they can, you know, turn it around like if you know, they're still performing around the same way by like June, middle of June, then yeah, I'm definitely going to be concerned. Like if this was June, yeah, I would be very concerned. But right now it's still kind of early. Let's hope they can figure it out and then go from here. And then, you know, we'll just worry about this at the end of the year. It's like, oh, growing pains. We are just trying to figure stuff out.
0: There you go. There you go, this is what it's about. you got a load of new faces in there, and we haven't even talked about some of them. Joey Wendell, Jacob Stallings, etc. We haven't got time for that, but there's a lot of new guys in there, and everyone's finding their spot, finding their groove, short and spring, tons of stuff going on. Nothing would bring Marlins Twitter back to life than winning today with Pablo. Pablo going, you know, seven innings, fresh off the... Uh, Fresh off his, his his marriage. And then we roll into Atlanta and we sweep the Braves. Just imagine that. How Marlins Twitter would be feeling then. I would be pumped. Everyone would be pumped. That'd probably oh, would... take us, you know, back to five hundred or over five hundred, maybe I think, if we win four on the spin. So you know, that that's just the antidote. That's what Marlins Twitter needs right now. It is in it's been interesting on Twitter. It's been quick to chaos is how I describe it, but yeah nevertheless it's been a lot of fun nick this also has been a lot of fun where can everyone find you on twitter if they aren't following you right now where can they get you and also please do pump up the podcast as well that you uh, that you host
1: oh yeah so i host the fish and whips podcast um on twitter you can find it on twitter at fish N the letter n whips um it's kind of a toy on baseball terms see what um, you did there <laughs> profile is uh, Nick's Take 22. Um, It's my name, letter S, Take 22 on Twitter. And so, you know, I haven't been as active with my podcast lately. I just got, you know, promoted at my new job. So I'm kind of um, in the middle of getting everything together. But once I do have things together, I will be way more active on my podcast.
0: Love it. Awesome. Well, listen, it's been great talking. Great to have you on Locked on Marlins. And that is uh, Thursday's episode done. And in the books, we are, like I said, pre-game in game three of this Cardinal series. So thank you for making Locked on Marlins your first listen, not just of today, but every day. And now make your second listen Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on Major Leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. That is myself, Peter Pratt, and Nick Alvarez signing out for Thursday's episode Locked on Marlins. Back tomorrow, where I'll be joined by uh, one of my UK compatriots, Bob Bamber, as we will be previewing the Marlins and Brave series. Stay tuned, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.